Hi, it's Brett Cowell, and this is the Total Life Complete podcast, coming to you from Oak Cliff, Texas. Joining me today is Willie Baranay, artist and educator. Welcome, Willie. Hey, I'm happy to be here. So happy to finally get you on the show, and I'm excited about what we're going to cover off today. The first question I always ask all my guests is, how do you introduce yourself at a party when people ask who you are? I usually just say my name. If they ask about what I do, I probably lead with the fact that I'm a full-time professor. Um, it used to be I ran an ad agency for many years here in Dallas, and so that used to be my identity. And But now it's usually I, I, I would lead with I'm a full-time professor. Okay, and I, I definitely want to cover off your role as an educator and, and a professor. I first came across you at a Creative Mornings event in Dallas, and um, with your persona as an artist or your uh, background as, as an artist, I, I uh, after meeting you, uh, I found out about all the amazing things that you've done, and hopefully we'll talk about some of those on the show today. As an artist, we can start there. Um, why do you create? Oh, man, that is a deep question. I think that in some ways I don't know how to live my life without creating. I, um, I certainly now, uh, with the We Are All Homeless Project, I certainly find that I'm now creating because I feel called to uh, dive deeper and deeper into this cause and see where it leads. It starts conversations. But I also create as a way of therapy for myself. I, I, I've been drawing my whole life, and that's how I process the weird notions in my head. It's how I, you know, when I'm sad or angry or whatever, drawing seems to be the way to let it out. So creating for me is, is I can't not do it. You talked about drawing your whole life. What were the hallmarks that you might end up pursuing a creative path or an artistic path in life and did you know it at the time oh no and i came from a family that neither of my parents had any really uh, art background in fact i don't know that either of my parents have ever been in a museum in their lives my mom is now deceased but that wasn't part of the way our family worked but they they would buy me uh sketchbooks and pens so they were trying their best to encourage me I had no idea that was a possible path and in fact started when I went to college I first began in pre-law and then changed to math was my second major and then finally realized what the hell am I doing and took my first art class uh, as an advertising design major and I knew right away this is what I was supposed to be doing. How do you describe your art? Well, for the past 10 years, the bulk of what I have been doing artistically has been related to this project called We Are All Homeless. For almost 25 years now, I've been buying and collecting homeless signs, cardboard signs from people on the streets. And I have been using those signs in large-scale installations uh, in a variety of ways. So my medium is homeless signs and just for the listeners we're sitting in willie's studio hopefully we'll get some video of this later on to share and we are surrounded by signs it's a, there's a lot of good stuff happening in here it might not be intuitive for most people when they pull up to a stop sign to want to buy someone's sign um they might have countless other reactions looking away wanting <laughs> their windows up what made you decide to to do something different it was really that that thing you just mentioned, I, I think when I first became aware of people on the street holding signs, 
asking for money, my instinct was to look away. I was uncomfortable. I think like a lot of people, I wasn't sure whether I should give money. I wasn't really sure, you know, if I was in danger. In the beginning, I just really looked away and I didn't like how I felt. And the idea about buying the signs was just one of those random thoughts that turned into, as soon as I did it, it completely changed the dynamic between me and that person. And from that point forward, I, um, I haven't stopped. What's the most surprising thing that's come out of this? Well, the most surprising thing is that I'm still doing it and I had no idea this was going to turn into what it turned into. You know, I started buying signs in 1993. It really wasn't until 2008 that I, I'm in grad school and this starts to take shape. I start to take it seriously as an art project. And now I've traveled across the country, made a documentary about this process, uh, a, a video about this uploaded by Upworthy, uh, has over 6.4 million views. It has generated uh, comments and inquiries and, and interest from all around the world. Um, just a few weeks ago, I got mentioned in a tweet, and the tweet is from a school in the UK, and they mentioned they're doing this capstone project, and the three artists they reference are Henry Moore, Leonardo da Vinci, and me as their inspirations. I freaked out. I mean, that is, I, I never dreamed that this project would have the impact that it has. And what it has taught me is how much people resonate with what you just said, feeling uncomfortable, not knowing what to do. And, you know, creativity is sometimes the way to deal with those things. Where do you find inspiration? Or what inspires you? Everything. Um, this is funny because I talk with my students about this. Um, for me, walking in nature is inspiring. Walking down the streets of Oak Cliff and looking at graffiti, the weird stuff in the windows of stores, uh, other people's art, conversations. Um, literally, I find inspiration in just about everything. Uh, other people's creative output is almost always inspiring to me, whether it's graffiti on underneath a bridge or a poem, a spoken word event, going to the museum. Um, I love all of it. How do you deal with the success if we're all homeless, you know, publicity and, and the recognition from that and creating something new? I think the, the short answer to that is it's a good problem to have. I'm really grateful for the... Uh, experiences this has provided. I've gotten to speak all over the country. I've gotten to do exhibits all over the place. And the, you know, being an extrovert, I absolutely love having random conversations with people. You know, people will see an exhibit and they will come up to me sometimes in tears and want to share some story of a family member or some experience they had. And I absolutely love being a repository of sorts, and I've been collecting comments and stories and bits about this project. So I love that. Now, on the other hand, yes, I've got this huge pile of ideas that I want to do. 
some of them related to We Are All Homeless, but some of them random, you know, other video projects, other drawing related projects. And I would love to uh, have an extra few hours every day or to be able to clone myself, whatever. Um, but, you know, that's a great problem to have. I feel really blessed by A, the fact that I'm curious, I've got a lot of energy, and I don't have any shortage of ideas. So I'm grateful for all of that. Do you believe that your best work is still to come? You know, I really try not to get too much into the best thing at all. That for me, I know that I've got more work to do and I love uh, as best I can to try to be in the moment of creating whatever that might be. Um, you know, the documentary was a big deal because that was a two-year or, or longer project of that required a lot of focus and editing and whatnot. And we're now talking about, is there another documentary out there? Or we we want to pitch a TV series. There's a lot of stuff that I would love to do to continue that work. And I have no idea where that's going to go, but um, I'm going to just, I'm going to try to follow the same thing I tell my students, which is to stay open, to stay curious, and to trust the process. Is there a distinction between artistry and creativity? The term art is such a big, huge thing that people describe it in different ways. For some people, art is about the objects that are created. For others, it may be the various ways art shows up, which could be writing, music, film, etc., and the kinds and levels of artwork out there, you go to a really contemporary museum versus an art fair versus, um, you know, arts and crafts that might be made by little kids. What's interesting to me is that the way of being in the world that I think is going to allow a person to be more creative, that's the part that's interesting to me, which means people not focusing so much on the object or the outcome, but being about the process and being about what is it that inspires their ideas or actually allows them to develop an idea in a better way or a more crazy way. John Cleese, you got to love John Cleese, right? So John Cleese has a, a remarkable uh, talk about creativity where he talks about the open versus the closed process that while we're brainstorming, while we're tweaking, finessing, changing, exploring that open part of the creative process, that's really the part where if, we're, if we allow that to stay open longer, the work will get better. At some point, we have to close it because we have to execute whatever that is. And his theory is that the longer you can stay in the open process, the better your work will be. You may have less talent, but if you'll stay in the open part longer, you will outperform other people who shut it off sooner. And that's the part to me that's interesting about art and creativity. It's just how do people nurture themselves and help themselves create better? You've had a career in the advertising world as well. Uh, how do you um, compare and contrast, I guess, the type of creativity that you would engage in day-to-day -day there and, and what you do in your own project? 
Truthfully, they really connect a great deal. The advertising world is about solving a problem creatively, and we would sit in rooms and brainstorm, and we were constantly trying to make our ideas better. The big difference between that and what I do now is I'm essentially the client now, and so I can't blame anybody if it screws up. So there, there's a little bit, it's harder to do work for myself in a way. Uh, but I think the, in terms of the creative process, very similar, very similar. And the same things that excited me about advertising and design uh, still excite me about um, art and creativity. Do deadlines increase creativity? Deadlines certainly provide a motivation. And to the earlier point about open versus closed, the deadline tells you, okay, I need to decide on something by this date because I've got to have it installed or executed or, or running on the Super Bowl by this date. And so, uh, yeah, there's no question. Deadlines are a motivator. Did you ever get creatively blocked and did you have a go-to process or habits that would help you meet a client deadline? Oh yeah, yeah, and and I mentioned drawing. Drawing is probably my greatest standby. If I open a sketchbook and start drawing, I will get unplugged, and it it never fails. But I would say writing is another one. Talking to someone else, and sometimes simply shifting what I'm doing. Like if I'm stuck at something, go for a walk or go down a rabbit hole on the internet and start looking at weird animal videos, whatever. Changing what I'm doing is one of the tricks that allows me to shift. Can you teach somebody to be more creative? Oh yes, that's a question on the final exam in my class. Um, the thing is, there are aspects of creativity that we will never know or fully know. But we do know that there are ways, tricks, you just mentioned techniques. Uh, there are tons of creative techniques that would allow someone to be more creative. And some of it is just realizing, wow, I need to go do some research or I need to, I'm going to sketch with my non-dominant hand for a while. I'm going to try things and almost any of those kinds of techniques will help someone be more creative. Now, some people are more open to doing those things and thus end up becoming more creative. And there is an innate ability in people. I don't know that that can be changed. I don't know where that comes from. But whatever that is, that may be something we can't change. But I do think we can make ourselves more creative if we're willing to practice and try different techniques. What's your position on this um, STEM versus STEAM versus liberal arts? Well, clearly I'm a big fan of liberal arts, and I'm struck every time I go to graduation. The dean at uh, the Meadows Art School at SMU, when he is delivering his, his remarks at the end of every semester, he talks about the trait that most companies say is the most important, and this is across all industries, is creativity. And he is saying that to people that, now it's preaching to the choir when it's the parents of art students, but at SMU there is a tremendous business school and other areas that are very different from that. But I believe that's true, that creativity, especially today in a world that's moving at the pace it's moving, 
social media is becoming a bigger and bigger chunk of how advertising and marketing happens, creativity is what's going to make the difference, period. What's the one thing that you hope your students take away from your courses? I, I would want them to take away that one of the biggest blocks to creativity is often how we talk to ourselves, how we judge ourselves, and that if they'll remember to work on loving themselves more, that's going to help them in all areas of their life, including creativity. What do you learn from the students? <sighs> well, they shock me every single day with the kinds of ideas they come up with, the solutions to problems. Uh, they they inspire me by their crazy ideas at times. Um, I'm also reminded of what it's like to be at this period of time where they're about to embark on their professional careers and they're leaving this one environment of school and going to this other environment. And the power of those transitions in our lives, I think, is something I get reminded of regularly. And um, I'm also inspired by their courage. They uh, are navigating this world. They grew up with these devices now that we've all got. They've literally had those their entire lives. And I did a lot of dumb shit in my life, and I can't even imagine what it would be like had all of that been public. And so I, uh, I'm inspired by their courage and their ability to navigate this world. It's a good point. What effect have video phones had on weight, the way people develop and the, the chances they take? That's something for a researcher, and I think it would be quite provocative because I'd be interested to know how many things don't get tried or creative paths don't get explored because people are afraid of the publicity that might come from that, the risk involved. Because it used to be you could take a lot of risks and you wouldn't get a lot of exposure. That's not necessarily the case. So I, I actually think that's an interesting question, and I don't know the answer. There's been this thing about oversharing on social media. Generations that are native to certain technologies just, you know, they'll tell everybody everything all the time. And then there's been kind of, there was the backlash about that. You know, are you going to regret that later on that you've done that? There seems to be another uh, wave now of, of, especially on business sites like LinkedIn, again, of, of sharing of openness and transparency and authenticity. So I, I just wonder if that's overall moving towards a more positive trend again, it's empowering to have so much transparency and, and accessibility. I think that there's definitely some positive things. I think the transparency around, you know, even social movements, Me Too and the gun debates, all of those things, some of that is being empowered by the transparency and the fact that, you know, if somebody, a politician says something that's captured and it can be brought back up. I think the flip side can be that, um, like we talked earlier, that there may be some people afraid to share because of exposure. And we're inundated by so much content now that even when we hear something that is somebody said earlier that's clearly untrue, there's so much of it that we almost don't pay enough attention to, to important things sometimes. But I find it funny. My, some of my students, you talk about oversharing. I realize 
I share overshare more than some of them. They seem to have more restraint on their Instagram accounts and they tend to be more thoughtful about what they post than I am. And in some ways, I believe they're a little bit more savvy about what's going to get the most response and what their own brand is. I'm at a point in my life, obviously, where I don't care as much. Like, I'll put whatever dumb stuff out there and and I don't care so much, but I'm really impressed by how they curate their work and their posts and the stuff they do put out there. So yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a long discussion we could have, but I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm inspired by the students in that way too. I want to change gears a little bit and talk about uh, what does it mean to be a man in 2018? Nice. Um, so one of the <clears throat> defining and important uh, pieces of my life um, has been involvement in an organization called the Mankind Project, which I initially did one of their experiential New Warrior weekends back in 2000. So that's been 18 years. In fact, this coming weekend, I'm going to be staffing my 61st weekend. So I've been heavily involved in this organization, and it's really about that question you just raised, which is, what does it mean to be a man? I've learned a lot about myself, and and some of that I learned in therapy even before I did this work specifically around men's issues. Uh, But what I've really learned about myself is that I was raised by a very typical man from his generation who believed in John Wayne, that being silent, not showing emotions was what was what strength was about in men. I've come to relearn that that isn't the case, that real power in men uh, is also comes from a place of vulnerability and even being aware of emotional literacy, what I'm feeling, and the ability to empathize and connect with other people. It has nothing to do with holding all of that in and pretending to be this stoic uh, John Wayne-like person. And I really believe that, and, and this is another thing I think social media has done for us, is that it's made the conversation about masculinity and men far more accessible. I think boys now grow up knowing that there are more options, that there are a lot of ways to be a powerful man and that power doesn't look like it might have looked to my dad's generation. Um, that there is power in compassion, that there is power in connectivity, there's power in creativity. And uh, I personally am excited for where men are going. And, you know, we're in a big movement right now where I think men are learning about how they have taken advantage of women and and each other over the years. And I think that is um, another awakening that's happening. So, yeah, I'm really passionate about men's issues. Um, I love working with men and younger men um, who are trying to figure out what matters to them and, and how they can be more grounded in what I call positive masculinity. One of the underlying themes of the show is is about feeling alive, minimizing regrets, and making a difference. 
What makes you feel alive? Well, the first thing I want to say is about motivation. You know, one of the things we talk about in the creativity class is about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation and the fact that people who are aware and who are more intrinsically motivated, meaning they're not concerned with money, awards, fame, outside praise, that those people tend to be more likely to be creative, to be in the flow. And to that degree, I think like most people, certainly people my age, I thought that I needed to do certain things to be successful. I now am really clear that um, money is a means to things, but it isn't a measure of success. I know a lot of miserable, wealthy people. And happiness isn't even the thing that I would say is a measure of success as much as it is about being present to whatever the feeling might be in the moment and being clear about purpose, being clear about what matters to me. And because I believe at a deep level, the more I'm aware of that, the easier it is for me to be compassionate to others, to strangers, to a person uh, on the street holding a sign. The more I am grounded in what's taking care of me, the more that I can be available for, for other people. So I don't know if that answers your question about what makes me alive, but um, I'm alive when I am creating. I'm alive when I'm connecting. And I feel like right now, you know, we're having this conversation. I am, you know, I'm, I'm reflecting and I'm thinking and I'm aware of the things that matter to me. And, uh, and so, and maybe it's because I'm an extrovert, but a lot of times when I'm in conversations with people, I feel alive. Let's talk about Dallas now. How do you feel as an artist in Dallas? You know, Dallas has been my home for uh, over 30 years now, and I never dreamed I would be in Dallas this long. I am surprised I didn't end up in San Francisco or New York. And at the same time, Dallas is a really uh, wonderful place to live. It is much more diverse than I think its public persona is. Uh, I think it is um, the art scene continues to get more and more robust. I think there is a lot of progress being made. Um, so I actually am very grateful to be here. Dallas is also an easy place to live. I am very aware of the cost of living difference between here and, and other big cities. I'm also aware that Dallas has an amazing airport, so I can go anywhere from here. But the community of creative people here is is tight. And both in the advertising design world and in the art world, uh, it's it seems like people are really willing to help each other. Uh, creative Mornings is a great example of that. There's just um, a lot of good energy in Dallas. So I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. Are there any projects that you want to tell the listeners about? Well, our nonprofit, which is the We Are All Homeless Impact Campaign, is how we fund a lot of the stuff that we're hoping to do. Uh, I mentioned wanting to do a TV series or pitch a TV, TV series and produce a web series uh, some of that is footage we already have, but we've got a lot of expenses related to editing and finishing that content. Uh, there are definitely other bodies of work that I'm interested in developing related to We Are All Homeless. 
the one that makes me most uncomfortable and thus I like a lot is um, a line of jewelry uh, that I've miniaturized a bunch of signs. In fact, I'll show you a couple of them in a second and you can uh, shoot some images. But I've been wanting to develop a line of jewelry in co and collaborate with other jewelry designers as a way to raise money for this impact campaign, but also to create a line of jewelry that uses miniature homeless signs because I believe there is something inherently unsettling about that juxtaposition. And I am just looking for new and different ways to start conversations about how we treat each other as humans. And so um, those are some things that are currently in the works. There are some others that are not baked enough yet to talk about. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's always uh, way more that I want to do than I have time to do. And we'll put links to all of the videos and uh, We're All Homeless uh, on the website as well. How can creativity change the world? You know, when I think about it, I think it's almost always creativity that does change the world. When I think of the way Gandhi approached his life, when I think of Martin Luther King, when I think of Rosa Parks not giving up her seat on a bus, there is something creative in that act. And when I think of the movies that have changed my life and the music that has changed my life and the art that I've seen that has changed my life, creativity is how the world changes. I mean, there's something about linking the word change to creativity. So if we're going to solve problems, if we're going to cure cancer, if we're going to solve the millions of different ways homelessness can be affected, it's going to be creativity that's going to end up making that happen. Any final words of advice that you've got for our listeners? Be nice to yourself uh, when you see someone on the street corner. Uh, smile and wave. Let them see the humanity in you, see the humanity in them, and create something, even if it sucks. Brilliant advice. Willie Bernay, thanks for joining me today. Brett, it's been my pleasure, man. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun, and thanks for letting me talk to you. <laughs>